wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's great! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Folks, the Wrestle Rant Radio for January 18th, 2018, Royal Rumble season officially upon us. We got our loaded weekend next weekend from TakeOver Philly, Royal Rumble. We had the debut of Mixed Match Challenges past week, a number of new signings, breaking it all down right here on Wrestle Rant Radio. You guys can check out the show every single Thursday on iTunes. Simply search up Wrestle Rant Radio on Apple Podcast. You can check out every past episode dating back to October of 2013 and every new episode every single Thursday. One of those past episodes we had last June with at Nick Kraft from the Twitter machine. He's back here on WrestleRant Radio here today to help me break down one of the most newsworthy weeks in recent wrestling history. And I feel like I say that every single week, but we had a pretty loaded week here in WWE and beyond. Nick, welcome back to the show, dude. How you doing? Thank you for having me again, Graham. I'm doing good. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. And of course, I asked you this last time. I do want to clarify. I am very well known for my botches and whatnot. I know. I I think I know the answer to what I'm about to ask you. But to pronounce your last name, it is crap, right? Because the F is silent. Is that correct? The, the P is silent. But oh, okay. So it's craft then. Yes. Damn it, so I did not know the answer to my own question. Okay, so I'm glad I, I rectified that now, and I was not calling you Nick Crap the entire episode. That would not have been good. <laughs> it's all good. I, I've heard a lot worse, so. Sounds good, my man. Sounds good. Well, once we got that out of the way, uh, first time here on the show in many, many months, I've been asking people every single week right here on WrestleRant Radio, how hyped are you for the Royal Rumble coming up next weekend, my man? Royal Rumble is always my favorite event outside of uh, WrestleMania, so I'm super excited. Yeah, I, I gotta say the same. I think Royal Rumble shaping up this year, as always, to be a pretty stacked show, very newsworthy. And I forgot to mention at the start of the show with all the other stuff going on, we got Raw 25 next Monday. So we're going to be breaking down, previewing, predicting what's going to be going down on the 25th anniversary of Monday Night Raw this coming Monday. It's going to be a stacked show, and I can't wait for it. We're, like I said, we're talking the good, the bad, and the ugly from the last week in the world of wrestling. Probably leading the headlines, though, from last weekend. Uh, PW Insider broke the news. A number of other websites picked up on it. How true it is remains to be seen. It's been about a week since the news broke, but WWE has yet to confirm or deny the rumors. As does Paige. So the news broke that Paige suffered an injury last or late last month. That much is for certain at a house show, which has since taken out of her out of the Women's Royal Rumble match. And not only that, but it's being reported that it is career-threatening and that her career is pretty much done in WWE. They will not clear her to compete. She's finished. She's done. Uh, so, again, how much of that is fact, we have yet to really know for sure. She was on Raw this week. Like I said, she is out of the Women's Royal Rumble officially, but that's all that's certain for right now. So, what was your reaction to the news, Nick? And uh, do you think this could be the end of Paige as an in-ring competitor in WWE? Uh, first off, the news was very shocking. Uh, it's very upsetting to see. She just got back. She was in a big storyline on Raw with Absolution. Uh, she was doing good things with Absolution as well. 
So if the news is true, I'm hoping it's not true, but it sounds like it's true. It's a big blow for the women's division that's been making strides, and it's a big blow for her because she just came off of injury recently. She had about a year and a half long hiatus, so definitely sucks to see for someone so young, so young and so talented, so much untapped potential, and uh, it's it's really sad to see. I'm hoping, like I said, it's not true, but all signs are pointing to the fact that it is true. And like you said, she just got back to, she was gone, not for a few weeks or even a few months, she was gone for just about a year and a half with that serious neck injury and whatever had happened to her at that house show about a month ago, must have re-aggravated the injury or done even, done even worse. I know the doctor told her initially that she should not be wrestling anymore, coming off the neck surgery, she did anyway, and it might have cost her career. So again, not much is known for sure, it does seem like the news is true, and not only 24, 25 years old, it's heartbreaking to see, so hopefully um, it isn't, I mean, I, it, it seems pretty likely that it is, but I guess we'll know more for sure in the weeks to come as we find out more about the situation, um, but Paige for a while, I've been saying here in the show, has been my pick to contend or at least defend the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania, my money match for the Raw brand for the women had always been for many weeks now, since it had been initially teased a few weeks ago, Paige and Asuka for the Raw Women's title. I didn't really have Paige winning the Rumble anyway. I figured she would win the championship at some point between now and WrestleMania. Obviously, those plans, at least in my book, I don't know if those were the official plans, have been blown up. I'm not sure where Absolution would have fit in with the WrestleMania plans for the women on Raw. How do you think this affects the uh, changes and the plans, uh, Nick, for the uh, for the Raw Women's division going forward as we progress in the road to WrestleMania? Well, I don't want to spoil too much, but Paige was one of my favorite to win the Rumble, possibly. The other one being Asuka. Now I think Asuka is the clear-cut favorite. But, yeah, I think this has a major effect. As you said, Paige and uh, Asuka was probably going to be the WrestleMania uh, match for the women's side of for Raw. And uh, it's it's a big blow. Now you got to wonder what, how it's going to affect Sonya Deville and how it's going to affect... Mandy Rose, I mean, two of them, they are getting pretty good in the ring, but now that you don't have Paige to kind of lead them, it could have a major effect on them and their plans. So they could go from this big group to possibly jobbers now. Yeah, I would hope that's not the case. I mean, we did see a small snippet this past week. Uh, like I said, Paige was on Raw. She was in the corner of Sonya Deville when, and beating Sasha Banks in clean fashion, which kind of took me by surprise. But I was in full favor, and I think both those women, both Mandy Rose and Deville, are works in progress. They're both, um, I think, top prospects in that Raw women's division. So hopefully Paige sticks around as an on-air character if her career is officially done. As a manager for these two women, like you said, I think having her in the ring with these women in six women tag team matches would be a lot beneficial to their progress as in-ring wrestlers. But for right now, just simply serving as a manager and maybe doing the talking for them. Because for right now, that Mandy Rose promo, they were they, she cut on Raw when... I don't know if it was on Raw. I think they had aired it on a YouTube channel. But they were going... Like what they did on SmackDown this week with the women, where they were going one by one with how they were going to win the win, uh, win, win the Women's Royal Rumble, that's a tongue twister, and all that other stuff. And Mandy Rose's promo was just atrocious. So I'm hoping Paige sticks around for right now as a mouthpiece for at least Mandy Rose, maybe DeVille as well, as Absolution kind of goes forward. Um, yeah, but Paige and Asuka, that was my money match for WrestleMania. Asuka very likely ending up in a women's match of some sort. I'm not sure how you can have a Raw Women's Championship match at WrestleMania at this point without Asuka. So Nick, I ask you, do we get Paige 
or rather not Paige, Asuka and Alexa Bliss in a rematch at WrestleMania? Or is this where kind of Ronda Rousey, who's been rumored to be coming in for a while, now factors in and we get that rumored Asuka-Ronda uh, Rousey match of the championship at Mania? Uh, I think it's unfair to both women if you have Asuka go against Rousey because if it does happen at WrestleMania, who do you have lose? Mm-hmm. Do you have the newly acquired Rousey, who was such a beast in UFC, and she's been so coveted by the WWE? Do you not show her any loyalty? Or the three-year undefeated streak of Asuka, do you just toss it away on someone who has, yeah, she has you know UFC fighting experience, but she has no real wrestling experience? And it kind of sounds ludicrous, you know, to say, you know, Ronda Rousey, she doesn't have wrestling experience. Yeah, it is, but, you know, that has to... Someone as decorated as Asuka in her sport shouldn't be going down to someone like Rousey, who we don't know how she's going to be in the ring. Exactly. I mean, as of right now, again, not a lot is known about Ronda Rousey's situation. I know it was tweeted by at PWStream. has been pretty credible in the past with reports and breaking news. Uh, they reported this past week that the deal is all but done with Ronda Rousey in WWE, if not that she's officially signed. Obviously, they have yet to officially announce it. They're not going to say Ronda Rousey is signed if she's going to be coming into the Women's Royal Rumble. Now, I know there was a question about that because I think she's going to be away doing some filming for a movie around the time of the Rumble, so I'm not sure if that's even logistically possible. Um, But it does seem pretty likely, I would say 90% likely, that she will show up at WrestleMania in a match and, and compete against two is the real question. Like you said... To me, it's a lose-lose. If you do Rousey and Asuka in the, in the ring as a match, I think that's a match that you could do maybe next year WrestleMania once you know Rousey can go in the ring and she can hang in there with the likes of Asuka and you know uh, maybe Charlotte and women like that. Asuka, I mean, I, I don't think it's worth risking, like you said, Nick, that three-year undefeated streak. They have you know invested so much in Asuka, and rightfully so. She's great. So just to throw that away in favor of someone who's likely going to be a part-timer, the Brock Lesnar of the women's division for WWE, to me just kind of seems illogical. So I guess we'll find out more as we kind of go along. We'll find out more after the Women's Royal Rumble takes place. Um, But I will ask you this one last note on Ronda Rousey. Do you think it's more likely we see her sign with Raw or on SmackDown? I still say that Raw is the flagship show, so that's why I kind of lean towards Raw with that. Uh, I would like her to go to SmackDown. I think Oscar right now in the winning streak, you're pretty much going to bury Rousey. Mm-hmm. So I think she would kind of get lost in the shuffle. At least SmackDown, it seems like the writers kind of have a better idea of what they're doing with the women's division, and they've had done that since the since the brand split. So I would like to see her on SmackDown, but like you said, Raw is the flagship show. So I wouldn't be surprised if Rousey goes over there, but I think she would be better served to go on SmackDown. Yeah, I would not be surprised to see her go to Raw for those aforementioned reasons. But like you said, I think SmackDown's a better fit for her. I mean, when you consider, when you compare the two women's divisions right now, there's a lot of talent in both shows, but SmackDown's got a whole lot of nothing. Now, I know they just brought in the Riot Squad about two months ago, and they're good, but it's like they have no stories, the championship is a complete afterthought, and Charlotte's great, but it's like no one else really means anything right now. They need star power on that show. There's real... No real money match to me that makes sense. If you don't have Rousey and Charlotte for the SmackDown side for the women's match at WrestleMania this year, do you do another six-woman like elimination match like we got last year? Like I think that'd be complete garbage because we see that every single month now for the SmackDown women. We need a real like one-on-one women's match 
for the blue brand at WrestleMania and Raw too, but SmackDown specifically. But like, what match makes sense? Like Charlotte and Carmella, like, eh, I guess, but it's not WrestleMania worthy. Like Charlotte and and Rousey, Charlotte can take a loss. I'm not sure if the if the championship would be on the line. I would imagine it would be. Um, but I think with Asuka, if you have Asuka lose, it's a big. It d- it does a lot more damage to the current women of the roster than it would if Charlotte was to lose to Ronda Rousey. So I agree. I think SmackDown would be a better fit. I just say Raw just because Raw is still their baby and they want to put all their top stars on that show. But at the end of the day, SmackDown could use all the help it could get. So I think bringing in some mainstream publicity for the blue brand and putting her on SmackDown would be great coming out of either at the Royal Rumble or at some point maybe after the Royal Rumble. I'm not sure when she would debut, but it seems pretty likely at this point uh, that she is headed for WWE in the not-so-distant future. Um, speaking of injuries, though, from Paige to another individual that was reportedly hurt coming out of last week's Raw, Samoa Joe, on, on that same night, coming off his match with Rhino, he announced entry into the Royal Rumble match for the men. Now, of course, he's since been pulled from that match, so it's not really sure uh, to what extent the injury is going to put him out of action for in the coming months. Again, another really unfortunate injury. It seems like everyone's getting hurt right, right about now. Jason Jordan's apparently hurt, working hurt. Kevin Owens might be hurt. I'm not sure what's in the water over there in WWE, but uh, Samoa Joe might be out for the foreseeable future. Now, I didn't think he was winning the Rumble, though he did tease a potential altercation with a longtime foe in John Cena. So that would have been really cool to see. So what were your thoughts, Nick, on the injury to Samoa Joe, and how does this kind of uh, affect their, any WrestleMania potential plans for Joe going forward? Uh, as you mentioned, uh, right now it's bad. Ambrose is injured. Apparently Jason Jordan's nicked up. Kevin Owens is nicked up. All these injuries are falling at the wrong time for the WWE. Uh, as of right now, as you said, I didn't see Joe really making that big of an impact in the Royal Rumble. I didn't think he really had a chance of winning it. But like you said, they were teasing Cena-Joe, and I think that's a match that a lot of people want to see, especially WrestleMania especially a WrestleMania-worthy match. Uh, outside of that, maybe the Joe injury won't be as bad because if The Undertaker is coming back for, you know, Raw 25, I've been hearing that, been hinted as Undertaker-Cena. If that was is going to happen, then what was Joe going to do exactly? Joe is one of those guys that right now is in the middle. You really don't know. Yeah, you could have him with Cena, but if you don't do the Cena and Joe at WrestleMania you have Joe do so maybe you know the injury wasn't the worst thing in the world he missed last year's Wrestlemania which was a bummer but uh maybe you know this will work out for him in the end yeah we'll see I mean I'm I mean it's all about timing because he did get hurt late last year too and it seemed like they weren't going to do Joe and Cena at one of the fall pay-per-views rather it seemed like they were going to do Joe and Cena on an episode of Raw before Joe got hurt and they had to they had to scrap the match and they haven't done it since now, I know they interacted in the, I think in the Raw and SmackDown match at Survivor Series a few months ago, but that's really about it. Um, it is a feud a lot of people want to see, but I think wasting it as a February pay-per-view match, like an Elimination Chamber or Fastlane, whatever it is for Raw, I think it would be a total waste, because I think this match, it's WrestleMania-worthy, but it should be held at a bigger time. It shouldn't be a placeholder for John Cena ahead of the rumored Undertaker match. Now, speaking of that... Um, it seems like it's all but set in stone that we are getting Cena and Taker at WrestleMania. I guess we'll know more at Raw 25 this coming Monday, depending on whether Taker challenges Cena or Cena confronts him or whatever. I guess we'll really know for sure whether Taker announces his retirement, whatever. That being said, though, uh, it, it does seem 
all but certain that we are getting uh, Taker and Cena at WrestleMania. So, Nick, I ask you this. What match is more appealing to you? What match would you rather see in 2018? Not, like, overall, because I would have wanted to see Cena and Taker a few years ago. In 2018, I'm not really sure about it. Which match is more appealing to you at WrestleMania 34? John Cena versus The Undertaker or John Cena versus Samoa Joe? I think it's John Cena versus Samoa Joe because it would be, in that case, I think Joe would go over, honestly. Right now, if Taker comes back, look, I was at WrestleMania last year, and I've been up and down with The Undertaker. The last few years, I didn't want to see him wrestle because he was deteriorating in health and all that stuff. And it's tough seeing these legends go through their lows, you know? It was very upset, but the emotion last year of seeing Undertaker and what we all thought was his final match, even if it was against Roman Reigns still. And it, was, it wasn't it was a masterpiece. You could tell. You could tell the Undertaker, he's, he's been deteriorating in the ring the last few, few years, but the emotions that you saw his potentially last match, you, you were overwhelmed. You thought, this is, this is why I love wrestling. I'm 27 years old and I still love this, is because of moments like that. So... Uh, seeing Undertaker Cena, yeah, this this is a great a historic match, but it's a couple years too late. That's why I would want to see Joe and Cena. You know those two could still do it in the ring. We don't know if The Undertaker could, could still do it in the ring. They say his health is getting better. This is the best they've seen him in the past couple of years. Still, you don't know in a big spotlight like WrestleMania if Cena and Undertaker will put on a good match. And I can't see Undertaker winning this against Cena. I can't. I, I just can't. I really can't see it, honestly. He just lost against Lesnar. He just lost against Reigns. So what makes anyone think that he'll go over John Cena? That's exactly it. Like, why would he beat John? Like, I don't know. John Cena's not a full-timer, so what to do damage to the roster? No, but it's like, why would Taker beat Cena? Why would Cena beat Taker? The guy went undefeated for over two decades. Now he's losing three out of the last five WrestleMania matches that he had. Like, it doesn't make any sense either way, at least at WrestleMania 34. Now, the match should have happened last year, and I agree. I was at WrestleMania 33, too, and was it a terrible match? Eh, I don't know, but it wasn't a good match. Like, I'll tell you that much. Taker looked terrible in that match with the Roman Reigns. And it wasn't just that match, either. He looked terrible at, uh, at the Rumble, too, uh, a couple months prior to that. So that being said, I'm not sure if he could still go in 2018. I'm not sure if he's... If he was hurt last year or what was going on, but that whole run was really not good. Though I will say the way they kind of rode him off and had him right off into the sunset with the way that he put his attire down in the ring and he descended into the stage, it was phenomenal. Like, you can't really write off The Undertaker better than you did at WrestleMania 33. Why ruin that by bringing him back for a match that doesn't need to happen? Like, the part-timer and part-timer matches are fine if they make sense, like the Brock and Goldberg match was actually a lot better than a lot of people thought, myself included, thought it would be. But a Cena-Taker match in 2018, I just don't really see the appeal. Like, it should have happened when the streak was still intact. I think that should be said. But even when it was broken, I think you still could have done it last year. And they were just putting two completely different matches instead. And Vince changed his mind, and he only wants to do these matches when he should not be doing them anymore. Like, we're not getting Taker and Sting because they could have done it WrestleMania 31, I think it was, when Sting was around. They didn't do it. They missed the boat. Now they can't do it anymore because Sting's retired. So that's the issues that they kind of run into with these guys. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, Cena and Taker is not the worst match they could do. It's better than doing Taker-Kane for the millionth time, which would be a lot worse 
But oh I just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, so I'm, much worse. I've seen that. I've seen people make the case before. Like I know they're so closely associated with one another, uh, Taker and Kane. There's a story to be told there. I get that, but it's like the match itself would be absolutely terrible. Like, they had a match at WrestleMania 20, and that was almost over, well over a decade ago, and that sucked. And that was in 2004. Could you imagine how bad of a match they could have at WrestleMania in 2018? It just wouldn't make any sense. But at least Cena and Taker could be a better match, but I don't know. I just I just don't think it's necessary. It doesn't benefit Cena at all. He's barely around. It doesn't benefit Taker. The guy should not be losing a third WrestleMania match. I don't know. It just To me, it's silly. At least if you bring back Taker for a match with a guy like Finn Balor, who's not really on Taker's level yet, anywhere near that level at this point. Um, but if they built up Balor enough to that point where it makes sense to be for him to be Taker, yeah, again, Taker losing three matches at WrestleMania, is it silly? Yeah, but at least it benefits Finn Balor. Like, it doesn't benefit. It doesn't benefit John Cena at all. So I'm hoping we get Cena-Joe. I doubt that's the direction they're going in, but I'm hoping we do get that feud at some point down the road because there's a lot of story to be told there. And I know it's not the Samoa Joe of like 2005, but it could still be a really, really good match. And Joe's had a lot of great matches since coming to WWE, so maybe at some point down the road. Um, think- the one thing, the one thing I will say is we still know John Cena could bring it. Yes. So that's the one thing we do know. Uh, Undertaker, we don't know if he could bring it, but we know if it is Undertaker Cena, Cena will bring his all, and he will make Undertaker look as good as he can. So that's the one. That's the only one redeeming thing. Whether you love him or hate him, when the spotlight's on him, John Cena usually delivers, and he'll do everything he can. Whether it's a match versus Undertaker or it's a match versus Samoa Joe. Yeah, and they call him Big Match John for a reason. I think he earned that nickname a few years ago, and he's always delivered when it's mattered most in the last couple of years. Uh, but if it's not Taker, and it might not be Samoa Joe. There, are there really any other viable options for John Cena to face at WrestleMania this year, other than uh, another random mixed tag team match that no one saw coming around this time a year ago? Maybe Finn Balor. If you maybe, mm-hmm. maybe something with Finn Balor. I other than, otherwise, there's really there's no really no really names out there I could really think of. Do you have any names, Graham? No, I mean, no names that make sense. I mean, I guess you could do, like, Braun Strowman, but, like, Strowman's a baby face now. It's like, is that really a match people want to see? Or, like, they already... That's the thing with John Cena. I've said this a million times before, but it's like, they waste all these potential dream matches with John Cena. They gave away Cena and Nakamura on a random episode of SmackDown last year that benefited Nakamura for a few weeks before he lost a gender at SummerSlam. So it's like, that's a match you could do, but they already, they missed the boat on that. They, I mean, I guess you could do a rematch, but Nakamura already won. So, you know, Cena's probably going to win the rematch. So that's the thing. Um, there's just no, I don't know. There's just no one on that level right now that makes sense. And I guess, could you go back to Cena? AJ, I guess, but we already saw Cena beat AJ for a 16th title. You have him beat him for the 17th title too? Like, I don't think so, so I don't know, yeah. There's only so many people he could face. I know people are throwing around Goldberg's name. We know he's going into the Hall of Fame. I guess we'll talk about that next, but uh, I don't know. Cena-Goldberg, that could could be a viable match, but it's like, what's the reason for it? Like, will Cena call him out or something? I'm not sure. There's, like, no real storyline reason for it, so I don't know. I guess we'll find out, but uh, I'm just not all that excited for Cena Taker. Maybe they exceed expectations. I'm not saying the match will be terrible. I'm just saying it very well could be bad just because of Taker's last few performances in the ring. But um, I just I think Joe's just a way better option. If he's good to go by WrestleMania, I think he will be. 
Um, but yeah, speaking of Goldberg, he is going into the WWE Hall of Fame. Another piece of news that broke this past week on WWE.com. Obviously, very worthy candidate uh, based off his WWE and WCW careers. Very long overdue. A lot of people thought he'd go in at WrestleMania 27 in Atlanta and maybe last year. And of course, he won the championships. That didn't happen. Um, but he is going in this WrestleMania week. And so your thoughts, Nick, on the induction of Goldberg into the WWE Hall of Fame? Uh, it was well-deserved. Uh, last year, they did right by him being the Universal Champion and all that stuff. Even though the matches weren't spectacular, uh, they did right by him. I think they did a, it was a good job of them finally inducted him into the Hall of Fame. So, who inducts Goldberg into the Hall of Fame? I know DDP has a very close relationship with him based off their WCW past. Um, I guess there's always Eric Bischoff. I mean, they had Bischoff induct someone last year, so I'm not sure if you'll do that again. Um, but there's DDP. I know him and Brock are good friends. You probably won't have Brock induct him because the guy doesn't do in, He doesn't really talk at all. Um, no, like, I, that would be disastrous, I feel would, like. Yeah, that'd be disastrous, yeah, to say the least. Uh, is there anyone else that comes to mind that you would like to see induct Goldberg into the Hall of Fame? I, I think you hit it right on the head. I think DDP is probably the, the the best bet at this point. Maybe something out of Paul Heyman. That would be a outside, you know. That's the only other person I could really think of besides DDP and Eric Bischoff. But I think DDP is probably going to be the, the one that uh, induct them. Yeah, looking forward to that. That's the only one we know so far for sure that will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. I know a few other names have been floated around, like um, I think Ivory was in there, the Dudley Boys, which is looking likelier than ever now that the Dudley Boys will be back on the 25th anniversary of Raw this coming Monday. Um, is there anyone that you would like to see inducted in the Hall of Fame this year, Nick? Uh, Dudley Boys, I think they deserve it. Uh, Ivory, also a, a very good candidate as well. Uh Honestly, Michelle McCool says she's going to be back at Raw 25. I thought, you know, we talk about the women's revolution that turned into the women's evolution now. Lay Cool, her and Layla, they uh, they did a, they on SmackDown, they carried that division for a year, year and a half, almost two years. So I would like to see her get it, uh, inducted as well. I, it might be a little bit early, all things considering, but, you know, Beth Phoenix is already in the the... Hall of Fame, so why not add Michelle McCool since they're bringing her back for Raw 25? That's exactly it. Like, the excuse that it's too early, I think you hit the nail right on the head with what you just said after that with Beth Phoenix. If it's it's not too early for Beth, then I think they can induct McCool. And it's like, for anyone who has said, like, is Michelle McCool one of the greatest women's wrestlers of all time? Probably not, especially in the ring anyway, at least in the ring. Um, But that being said, like, you're running out of women to induct. They've already got Lita and Trish in there. They inducted uh, Lunder Blaze a few years ago. They got Beth Phoenix in there last year. I mean, I think AJ Lee will be in there at some point. Like, she's too early in my opinion. I think that's way too early to to have her in the Hall of Fame. I, I would love to see her in the Women's Royal Rumble. I doubt it's going to happen, you know, considering her relationship with uh, Punk and the company, whatever. That'd be pretty cool. Don't expect it to happen, though. Um, but, like, who else do you put in there? I mean, I guess Sable. But I feel like they'll wait to put in Sable until they put in Brock in a number of years. I'm not sure. So, I don't know. Um, I think Ivory makes sense. Michelle McCool is another very good candidate. It'd be cool if they saved... If they're going to save Sable for Brock. And saving Michelle McCool for the same year that uh, Taker goes in would also be cool, considering they're married. Yeah. So, because that's another possibility, too. But, yeah, Michelle McCool will be back on Monday's Raw. Um, along with Terry Runnels, a name I did not see coming at all. I thought that's going to be pretty cool. Um, hopefully they have her interact with Goldust at some point. 
Kelly Kelly's going to be there. They just announced Chris Jericho, like less than two or three weeks removed from the match with uh, Kenny Omega in New Japan at Wrestle Kingdom 12, is going to be on Raw. It would not be Raw 25 without Raw is Jericho. So he is on Raw. Uh, a lot of new names announced. Chris Stratus, like I said, a lot of cool big names announced for Raw 25 this coming Monday. Who are you most excited to see at Raw 25, Nick? And is there anyone else who has not been yet announced that you want to see appear at Raw 25? Uh, I'm excited to see Jericho, honestly. After he's riding uh, his match with Omega, so I'm I'm excited to see him. Uh, of course, he won't be competing, but it's always fun to see uh, Jericho. So I'm I'm excited to see how how Jericho. Uh, they're gonna have JBL and Farouk there. Well, Ron Simmons, of course. So that's gonna be fun. There's a there's a lot of great names there. It, I'm surprised they got Kelly Kelly. Uh, I'm surprised I got Michelle McCool. So, and like you said, Terry Reynolds was a very shocking name to see. Uh, it'll be good to see the Dudley boys again. I just want to know what capacity we're going to see them. Are we going to see them do these stupid backstage promos? Or I, That's the only thing. I want to see what capacity they use all these people because it's a great list of names that we currently have, but is it all going to be like a waste or is it going to be like, nostalgia what what's it exactly gonna be well i'm sure i'm banking on like if we're doing predictions here for what we're gonna see i am absolutely banking on some sort of backstage segment with matt hardy with woken matt hardy bray wyatt the boogeyman probably brother brother love or some shit like that i am just banking on saying that um come on you know we're gonna get some sort of interaction between Woke and Matt Hardy and the Boogeyman. Why the Boogeyman is even there, I have no idea. But, you apparently, know, he's a raw legend, you know? <laughs> apparently, you know, the guy's a raw legend. You know what? I love the Boogeyman. Why the fuck not? Just bring in everybody. Bring in everyone that you possibly can. Um, that's going to be in the area in New York City. You know what? Why the fuck not? But like you said, you know what? Boogeyman and a quick backstage segment with Sergeant Slaughter and Bar- Brother Love. Why not? You know, whatever. Um, like attacked, uh, I guess we'll talk about that in a segment, like the revival and the stuff they might do with them next week. Um, like a Stone Cold Steve Austin, who obviously they added to the show about a week or two ago. He's got to be involved in something big. I mean, maybe he comes out and stuns, uh, I don't know, someone on the Raw roster, like The Miz or The Mistrage or whatever. I guess that would be fine. But they got to do some big angle here on the show too, like Raw 1000 from a few years ago, if you recall that. that was It was a great show. A lot of cool legends came back. They had a few people really not do much, like Bret Hart, one of the biggest legends in WWE, Raw history, whatever. The guy was the fucking ring announcer for, like, the Intercontinental title match. Like, I can imagine people like that not wanting to come back just to do something stupid for 10 seconds. Like, if they're not going to be involved in anything significant, they're probably not going to want to be there, which is why I assume they are not have not yet been officially announced as of this recording. But um, that being said, also in Raw 1000, what I wanted to get to was that you had The Rock come in announced that he's going to go for the WWE title at the Rumble. And then you had Punk attack him, this huge heel turn. Like, it was a great celebratory epic occasion. But you got to do some big angles, too. And I assume they're going to do something with Taker and Cena to set that up for WrestleMania. But it can't be the only thing. they got to do something else with a guy like Austin or whatever. I guess we'll see. Um, but, yeah, what else do you expect to see happen on this show with some of the more major names, like a Jericho or an Austin? Do you think they will just appear in a brief backstage segment with a, um, with the Miz Taraj? Do you think they're, they're there for a more significant reason? I, I think you hit it on the head with Austin. He's probably going to stun either Bo Dallas or Curtis Axel, or he'll probably stun both of them. Uh, I think that's the one thing I fear with these shows. Yeah, 
the you know go back to nostalgia and it's great seeing all the old wrestlers and the old names and all that stuff but hey we're on the road to wrestlemania this is a major couple of months up ahead this is what like we live for you know this is our this is the wwe's playoff and then you know wrestlemania is the championship you need a major storyline here unfortunately with all of these people that they're naming, I don't see a major storyline coming out of this, and that's the really the one thing that bumped me out. Yeah, it's going to be great to see seeing all these people back in the ring, or if they're doing some stupid backstage promo. But if they're only doing stupid backstage promos and nothing to move forward and get us excited for the Rumble or get us excited for WrestleMania, then I just feel like this is a waste of a show, honestly. I mean, I think the timing could not be any worse now the rating is going to be huge like we know that but it's like it's also the go home show for one of their biggest pay-per-views of the year now i know the rumble sells itself but like okay like if you have trish on the show and you have her do a quick backstage segment with uh i don't know whoever's on the raw roster oscar or whatever nia jackson it's, it's a waste but if you ever come out and say you know what i'm gonna be in the women's royal rumble this sunday it's going to entice the people that you know other than like the regulars like you and myself and um, everyone else that regularly watches Raw, like the people that are coming back to watch this one show, it will entice them to watch the Women's Royal Rumble. Like, oh shit, Trish is going to be in the match. I'm going to want to watch that, that. That's all we need. That's yep. all we need. And hey, if she want, if Alexa Bliss comes out, interacts with her, and she gives her, you know, her finisher or whatever like that, you know, Trish Stratus gives Bliss the finisher. Yeah, maybe it makes the champion look weak, but you know what? That gets me hyped. That gets me hyped. Oh, can we see Trish actually challenge Alexa Bliss? At WrestleMania, you know, something like that. Just something quick and simple like that. Something meaningful, I should mm-hmm. say. Yeah. That's what we want. Something meaningful. Exactly, exactly. So that's what I'm hoping for, at least a little bit of it. It can't be all just fun and games and stuff. Again, it's going to be a really entertaining show, but how much will it really make an impact in the long run? Like, I have this fear. Coming off of Raw this week, this was... They, they cut a great promo, the revival, coming off their win over two local athletes, talking about why they're professional wrestlers... And uh, all these icons will be back for Raw 25, like the APA, the middle-aged outlaws, you got the Dudley boys, all these other guys. But, like, is this simply leading to the re- to the revival being beaten down by these former tag teams on Raw? Or will they actually do something meaningful with these guys at long last come next week? I hope it's, I hope it's the latter, honestly. I mean, the last team that I think got handed by a bunch of legends were the Ascension, and then they never, <laughs> exactly. they, they never recovered. So, and, and you you don't want to see that with the revival because you think about the revival, how good they were down in NXT, and they haven't been able to get it started here on the main roster. So, if you put them in a angle with say the Dudley, hey, just make it the Dudley boys, Dudley boys versus the revival. And you let the, the revival go over. I would love to see that. You know what? They need something like that. They don't need to get beaten down by legends. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. It's just stupid. Again, it serves no purpose. Like you said, I was thinking that exact same thing. When I saw that segment with the revival this past week, it brought back very bad memories from three years ago when the same thing happened in the Ascension. And that's no exaggeration. You are absolutely right. They were never the same after that. I mean, they really weren't lighting the world on fire to begin with. But like no. for, like all those weeks, I think it was GBL just shitting on these guys week in and week out. And the Ascension were never great to begin with. But it's like having GBL bury them verbally every single week just made no sense. And then he d- delivered the clothesline from hell. 
And that was literally it. I do not think we saw them on Raw after that, like, for many, many months. And if they were, they were fucking losers. So, they, they were literally in hell after that clothesline. That yeah. was it. They were, they were just good. They were gone. And, and at the time, they were the top tag team in NXT. They held the belts for the longest. And then, you know, here comes the Revival. Then they swept the tag division up. And that was it. So you hope that the Revival don't face the same fate. Yeah, I, I would hope not. I mean, the Ascension, again, were never that great to begin with, and the guys deserved better, but uh, the Revival here are just infinitely better than the Ascension in every way. If they suffer the same fate, it's going to be a, just a major disservice to these guys and the entire Raw Tag Team division, which needs all the help it can get right now. Um, two quick news stories from the last couple of days that have a lot of people talking. Um, I know the Jey Uso one is confirmed. The guy suffered. He had a, a DUI, DWI, whatever. Over the last couple days, he was on SmackDown on Tuesday, but has raised a lot of questions whether he will, along with his brother, obviously, Jimmy, drop the SmackDown tag team titles to Gable and Benjamin at the Royal Rumble. It's a two out of three falls match. Um, Will this incident, Nick, uh, result in the guys losing the tag team titles at the pay-per-view? I thought before the uh, Dewey arrest, I thought that they were going to drop the titles anyway. Honestly, I thought they were going to just drop the titles to Benjamin and Gable, and then they were going to have a rematch, regain them back, and then maybe have the blowover match at WrestleMania. So I see them no matter, you know, I I saw them no matter what. I thought they were going to lose the championships to Benjamin and Gable. Yeah, that's what I was kind of figuring, too. I feel like if they weren't going to put the belts on Gable and Benjamin, they would have had them get just beat clean on that episode of SmackDown a few weeks ago and not done the finish they did. Um, so I think that is where all roads are heading to, to them winning the championships. And they probably should. I love the Usos, but it's time for a bit of a change. And I think these guys are great. Um, Gable and Benjamin in this role. So yeah, I, I figure regardless of the DUI, they will, we will get new tag team champions at the pay-per-view. And, um, on a more serious note, the Roman Reigns news, I'm not exactly sure still what this is about as of this recording. Um, but apparently he was linked to some sort of steroid distribution list or something like that that his name was on along with like Mark Wahlberg and a few other people how legitimate this is uh no one really knows WWE and Roman Reigns have yet to comment on it which is never really a good sign because otherwise if it it was bullshit they would have just outright said that it it was bullshit but it could still be false they just haven't said anything yet um but yeah have you heard about the news Nick and what's your thought process if this is true and I'm not saying it is and I don't think it is anyway do you think this could mess up any wrestle? I mean, any wrestle. We know what the WrestleMania plan is. Do you think this will mess up their WrestleMania plan for Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship? I think it has potential, but I think we have to wait for more information. I don't want to jump the gun, but if it is true, I mean, we do know how the WWE is with their policy with steroids and all that stuff, so it could have a major effect, but I say we just wait until more details are given out. Yeah, I mean, I, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, this is an, um, I, I was thinking, it brought back memories from about five years or so ago at this point from, uh, I think it was uh, Jack Swagger when he had that, that DUI and he found, they found marijuana in his car or something, like days removed when he won the like Elimination Chamber match to go for the world title of WrestleMania. And this happened like days after that happened. Um, and nothing happened. He still had the title match at WrestleMania. I mean, this is a much more serious incident with steroids and whatnot so i guess we'll see roman reigns or whoever i i I don't know the match is gonna happen regardless i don't think it's true anyway but like you said i think it's important to wait to find out more details regarding what this is all about 
Um, again, on more on a more positive note, this past week on that same day, it was pretty newsworthy day. It was Tuesday. Um, we had three new signings announced to the Performance Center. We got Ricochet, War Machine, and Candice LeRae, a former Mae Young Classic competitor and the real-life wife of Johnny Gargano. Um, <laughs> all three, four great talents, and they're awesome assets to NXT, the PC, the main roster, wherever they go next. Um, your thoughts on each new signing, Nick, to the WWE Performance Center, and uh, do you think either or any one of these people can make a major impact in either the main roster or in NXT? Uh, I think War Machine, they're going to make a major impact. I think the last couple of years, uh, WWE has made a conscious effort to make tag team wrestling better, and we're seeing that on the SmackDown side of things. If Raw, Raw right now, they're a little dead in the water right now, but they're still making a better conscious effort. So uh, when War Machine, they go through uh, NXT, They'll shine in NXT. Candice LeRae, I have no problems with. I think she'll be fine in the women's division as well. Ricochet, I'm a little worried about. And it's just that the prospect that he could be potentially going over to 205 Live. So that's a little nerve-wracking because we know how 205 is going right now. Yeah, I mean, the fact they signed him to the PC, the fact they announced this signing and they said he's going to the PC first, to me, is a good sign because I, I know there's Rockstar Spud from Impact. Um, reportedly, he's been signed for like two months now. And uh-huh. I, I think he's going to the Cruiserweight division, which is fine. The guy's good. Um, he's not like amazing enough to the point like Ricochet where I feel like he'll be wasted in the Cruiserweight division. He, he'll be fine right there. It doesn't really make a difference. Ricochet, on the other hand, is one of the best in the world right now. Now, it would be one thing. If the Cruiserweight division was white hot right now and you had great matches every single week, and it was like the Cruiserweight Classic, but just a weekly television show, um, at the exact opposite is 205 Live. We had fucking Goldust versus the Zoe Train on Tuesday. I do not want Ricochet involved in any of that garbage. Like, I like Cedric Alexander. Enzo Amore is doing well in the role, but that show could not be any more irrelevant at the moment. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping he stays in NXT for the foreseeable future before being brought up to either Raw or SmackDown. The point being where, if they were going to put him on 205 Live, I feel like they just would have not even announced the signing, they just would have put him there. You know what I mean? Like with Rockstar Spud, which I'm I'm sure is bound to happen at some point in the near future. Um, The fact they said he's going to the PC first gives me hope he'll be on NXT for the foreseeable future and hopefully ends up in a Balor-like position. And Finn Balor, he's what, 180 pounds? Maybe 170 uh, mm-hmm. the guy's not a heavyweight. He is a cruiserweight, but the company knows he's well above that division, which is why they've never put him in there. So I'm hoping Ricochet is going to be similar in that respect, where maybe he won't be a world champion, but hopefully at some point he will, you know, find himself in a solid position in either Raw or SmackDown, maybe in the mid-card division. I, I, I agree. It is a good sign that he went to the PC. Uh, the thing... I worry about with Ricochet besides the 205 Live is how long do you keep someone like Ricochet in the performance center? Uh, you have guys like Roderick Strong, you know, who are these, they're well known on the independent scene. And uh, right now, Roderick Strong, he's kind of like that man who's lost in the shuffle because WWE keeps acquiring these top indie stars, and it's like, they get a shiny new toy and they just toss away the old toy. And that's how I feel like Roderick Strong is right now. He's kind of stuck in the middle. He was chasing after the NXT championship for a while. Now he's kind of like 
lost in the shuffle because they keep acquiring new pieces like uh, Adam Cole and then so Alistair Black. So you kind of wonder if if, Rick, if Ricochet comes in, if anybody, a if anybody like Alistair Black or Adam Cole get lost in the shuffle, or b if Ricochet gets lost in the shuffle because they have so many people and there's realistically. Besides the, the you know the tag titles, there's only one other title that people could go for. So you kind of wonder what's going to happen with someone like Ricochet. He'll be, I'm sure they'll give him plenty of spotlight to start off. But you wonder how he's going to be a couple months in if they're going if he's going to get lost in the shuffle at all. Especially being someone who's on the lighter side, you know, he's not this big monster that Vince loves. Yeah, and timing is everything. I mean. I think people like Adam Cole and guys like that shined because they brought him in when they called up new people. Like Kyrie Zine kind of took the spot that Asuka had. Adam Cole took over the spot that Bobby Roode had. And people like that. So I, they got to call more people up soon. Like War Machine, I think would be great for NXT. They got to call up Authors of Pain. Why they're still there, I'm not even really sure. I think they might be getting a tag title match at the next TakeOver. But beyond that, they should have been called up like two or three months ago. Um, so people like that should be called up for Ricochet to replace. I mean, I got like, like you said, like Roderick strong, like usually these people have like a good solid year or two run in NXT and they've done it all. And they, they get called up Roderick strong. Like he's had a very good run here so far, but it's like, it's not, he's not really ready to get called up to the main roster. I know you'd be swallowed up whole. They called him up after the rumble. The guy would be doing a whole lot of nothing on raw or SmackDown right now. Um, so I don't know. I mean, hopefully they, they can find a spot for a guy like Ricochet. The guy's way too good to be ignored. But then again, if anyone's going to use talent correctly, I would say it's NXT. They've been, you know, white hot for quite a while now. The brand's been kicking it. They've been just kicking, kicking ass every single takeover. I mean, that's been the case forever, but, um, the, the whole brand in 2017 was great and they used a lot of talent the right way. We got a lot of great matches so I'm hoping coming out of TakeOver Philly, we have some sort of a significant shakeup with the women, with Candice coming in, the tag teams, with uh, War Machine coming in, and with the singles division with uh, Ricochet coming in. Like, what will happen to a guy like Leo Rush? The guy's an amazing wrestler, but when you have Ricochet coming, who does a lot of the same stuff that Leo Rush does, will he get the same push that he did before? I mean, like, the, the heat notwithstanding right now in the guys. So we'll see. You know, we'll see. But they, they have, I think there is no doubt they have an absolutely stacked amazing star-studded roster right now does NXT. So the future is bright for the uh, black and yellow brand going forward, going into 2018. Um, so a lot of big signings this past week. Also this past week, kind of on a lesser note, but on Tuesday night we had the debut of the Mixed Match Challenge Show with Finn Balor and Sasha Banks beating Shinsuke Nakamura and Natalya to advance in the tourney. Um, a very good match. And only a 20-minute show. The show is very short, sweet. It's right to the point. It's perfect. Um, did you check out the show, Nick? And if so, what were your first initial impressions of the program? I am not going to lie. I did not have a chance to watch it. I know it's a Facebook exclusive. Am I right? Yes, it's on Facebook. Watch, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch it. Uh, I thought it was an interesting concept going in. I, I did like some of the pairings. Uh, I have to watch it, like I said, so I don't know how to react to any of it. I'm just a little confused by it because it just seems to be coming out of nowhere. And I kind of wonder with all these injuries, we see all these injuries, why these superstars 
into more, giving them more work for mm-hmm. something that's really just like a, it's a fun little venture, but it really doesn't benefit them in any way. It doesn't align with any storylines or anything like that. Yeah, no, it, it totally is a, a complete sideshow kind of thing because they're doing it for charities, I know. And it's not like a championship is on the line or a title shot or whatever. Um, it is weird they are giving them more work. Like you said, I mean, it, I think it's been the case not only recently, but like for years now. This company has way too much content, which you never thought you would say years ago, but there's there's so much wrestling out there. The company does not need four or five different shows. But like I said, on the bright side, at least it's only... I think the show maybe lasted 20 minutes, so it's not that long at all. Like, if NXT is a short watch, then this show is even quicker. And the match was good. I'm not sure how the rest of the tourney's going to be. Um, it is a cool little concept because we don't see mixed match, you know, intergender um, matches like this all the time in WWE, so it was kind of something different, a bit of a refreshing change, so to speak. Um, yeah, it doesn't really make too much of a difference storyline-wise. But we'll see. I, I, I like the first episode personally. I would recommend checking it out, if only for that first episode. And then beyond that, if you don't like it, you don't have to watch it. Um, but the format was something, you know, definitely different. And we'll see. Because they don't really need the content. Obviously, they have way too much content as it is. Um, mm-hmm. But for what it was, it was definitely a good debut for the show. Um, of the pairings that you saw, is there anyone that you see winning the whole thing? I, I, I don't see how you have... Uh, well, there's two pairings. Braun and Alexa Bliss, of course, one of them. I mean, Braun is red hot right now, and Alexa Bliss is the champion. And then second, uh, Asuka and The Miz. I don't see how you could, once again, I don't see how you could have Asuka lose, even if this is some little sideshow. Still, how do you have Asuka lose? So uh, those are my two favorite pairings as of right now to win. Yeah, with Asuka, I mean, it's weird, because if she lost this this tourney. She would not be pinned, obviously. She's not going to be pinned no. by Carmella like in a first-round match or anything like that. Um, but Miz would have to be pinned. If they lose, is her streak over? The answer is no, because she's undefeated in singles competition. I'm pretty sure she was beaten in tag team matches anyway in NXT. So it's not like if she lost here, it would be a major deal. Um, no. But yeah, having them win, uh, having Strowman and Alexa Bliss win, either one I think is good. Charlotte and Bobby, now both champions. So they're a pretty stacked team too. There's a lot of there's a lot of cool pairings here. Some pairings I don't really care too much about, like Apollo Crews and, and Nia Jax. Like who cares? But yeah, there's some there's some cool matches that can come out of this. So I'm looking forward to seeing where it kind of goes from here. Um, you mentioned Braun Strowman. He's just on fire right now. The guy was the star of the show on Monday Night, hands down. So he was first fired, quote unquote, from Raw from WWE about Kurt Angle. Then he went on a rampage, destroying everything in sight, including catering, the production truck, and almost Kevin Dunn. We, we had a close call there. He almost wrecked Kevin Dunn, which would have been amazing. He didn't, unfortunately, but we did get a Kevin uh, Kevin Dunn cameo. He was he wanted to screw up Kevin Dunn's awful camera shots and the, the shaky camera shots, and it was getting the close-up of the fans. So maybe we don't see any of that anymore going forward. But yeah, so Braun Strowman raking havoc on Monday's Raw. And then he gets rehired no more than like an hour or two later. So people asking, what was the point? Or why did they blow it off so quickly? Why did they do the payoff so quickly? I don't know why. I agree. They maybe could have dragged it out a little bit longer till the end of the show. But whatever. The angle I thought was great. You knew he was going to be rehired. You knew it wasn't going to be Brock Lesnar and Kane at the Rumble. No way WWE would put us through that much pain and suffering through a Brock and Kane match one-on-one at the Rumble. It just wasn't going to happen. So having Strowman leave the match only to come back, you know, it was fine. It made for great TV. got people talking. Strowman is so over right now. And I made this comparison on Twitter that the guy is the 
closest thing that we have currently to a Stone Cold Steve Austin, where with what he's doing backstage, and the guy is just a complete badass, he could be attempting to murder people, and people would not give a shit. He could almost attempt to kill a baby, and I think people would cheer him anyway, because the guy is so <laughs> over right now. Uh, what were your thoughts on the angle with Braun Strowman on Monday's Raw, and just how over this guy is at the moment? I thought the angle, I'm not going to lie, I thought the angle was kind of stupid, but I love seeing Braun Strowman wreak havoc like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, As you said, he is so over right now. He could pretty much do anything he wants. It's kind of crazy because so many people are like, this guy is so green in the ring, you know, he's going to have a tough time adjusting to the main roster. And then when he was split, when he was, he was, drawn away from Bray and and Luke and, you know, Eric Rowan. People are like, what are they doing and all that stuff? I mean, he, he easily, he didn't win a single championship, but you could argue he's the 2017 Superstar of the Year for WWE. It's just amazing how much we've seen him matured in the ring, how he's matured in promos. He He's the greatest thing right now. And I, I love Braun Strowman. He's, he's proven that he could hang in the big leagues. It's just a shame because right now we have guys like Brock Lesnar who are part-time and that have the championship. And unfortunately, I don't see Strowman winning the the uh, winning at the Royal Rumble, which is a shame because he deserves a payoff like that. But unfortunately, I don't see it happening at all. Yeah, that's the issue. The guy's so over right now, but they won't go with him as the winner of that match at the Rumble as the new champion. You just know it's not going to happen. And I agree, the angle was definitely dumb. Like, it served no purpose. The guy was hired, he was fired, and then he was rehired an hour and a half later. Firings in this company mean absolutely nothing. Unless unless it gets announced on WWE.com that, and they wish you well in your future endeavors, then it doesn't happen and no one cares because everyone knows it's all phony anyway. Um, that being said, though, it made for entertaining TV, like I said. Now, this company does a lot of segments that either don't matter, they're just unimportant, or they're just terrible. Like the This Is Your Life segment with Alexa Bliss and Bailey from last year. Oh, God, that was terrible. But, you know, and it served no purpose either. So at least this also didn't really serve much of a purpose, but it was entertaining, you know, and people went crazy for it. So it was at least that, and Strowman is just killing it right now. The guy is really one of the biggest MVPs of Raw, along with probably, uh, um, uh, who's the other guy? Samoa Joe and also The Miz. You know, they're the ones to watch on Raw at the moment. Um, Though I could probably say the same about Finn Balor and the Balor Club. They're really kind of coming into their own. They're obviously working very well together. That's, you know, obvious. Um, And they have the history. They have the chemistry. They're enjoying their time together. Rollins and Balor having a great main event on Raw this week. I would argue even better than the SummerSlam match from a few years ago. And this one had some interference from uh, the bar and whatever, but at least people weren't chanting for a fucking belt the entire time, which they did in Brooklyn during their first match, which when I was there too, and I was so mad because people just ruined that match. But this was a really, really good main event. Um, And above all else, the curb stomp is back for the first time in three years for no real rhyme or reason. I mean, I guess we'll find out more on Raw this week. Um, Look, if it's leading somewhere, is Balor going heel? Is Rollins going heel? Does Balor have a storyline concussion? Like, I'm not really sure, but... It got people talking. People went fucking nuts for the return of a of a finisher of all things. People blew up over the over the fact that the curb stomp is back, and rightfully so because it's a great finisher. Um, so why do you think the curb stomp might have been brought back, Nick? And are you excited for the return of the move? Oh, I, I love the move, and Balor sold it so well, mm-hmm. so well. It looked so good. It was good to see it back. 
I don't know why they brought it back in particular. Maybe we see Balor turn heel. That's the only thing I could really think of. Otherwise, maybe they just said, oh, Rollins, you could give it a go, and that was it. Maybe Because I was never a fan of the whole the new Rainmaker knee that he was doing. It just, it took too long. To, I felt like it took too long to set up and it looked weak. Like, so I, I, maybe they said, you know, this isn't really working for us. Go back to the curb stomp, especially if you're going to have guys like Balor that could sell it so well and make it look so impactful. So I, other than that, maybe Balor, like I said, either they told him just bring it back because it looks to be a more effective move. Some, something that you actually think, can finish off an opponent as opposed to the high knee that he was doing or you know maybe is for a sign of bigger things to come maybe maybe like i said balor turns heel that's the only other thing i could really think of from this standpoint yeah i I didn't hate the knee that he was doing before they just i mean it was okay it definitely wasn't as good as the curb stomp easily but um also they never came up with a name for it either it was just the, the knee the fucking yeah. knee, that was all they would call it. Rollins hits the knee, and that was all. The, they did the same thing with um, Daniel Bryan when he was doing the, the running knee. They didn't have a name for it. I think Bryan called it, like, the knee plus or something dumb like that, but they didn't have a name for it for the longest time. Um, and, and Rollins was the same thing. It's like, how do you not have a, a name for the finisher of one of your top guys in the company? And it's a simple thing. I think they called it the Kingslayer for a while. But they just stopped calling it that after a few months, and it didn't have a name for, like, the longest time. So at least they have uh, the curb stomp. And then they're not calling it the curb stomp. They called it the stomp or blackout or something like that. I think he called it blackout in NXT. So if they brought that back, that's fine. At least the move is back. And as happy as Balor looks to be working with Gallows and Anderson, that's how happy Rollins looked after hitting that move for the first time in three months. You just had to know the guy was so happy that he can use that move again because it's just way better. And I know he said before in past interviews that he was so pissed they took it away from him because it was such a great move to do, and you could do it pretty much out of nowhere. So I'm glad it's back. It's a great move. Um, definitely makes Rollins, I don't know, really energizes his character. I never really thought a move could do that, but it really does. And it got it people, does, it to, you does. know, yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, and it got people talking. So I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with it. Like you said, does it lead to a Balor heel turn? I guess we'll find out on Monday's Raw. Um, but it definitely closed Raw on a high note, both figuratively and literally. Um, but speaking, you know, of Raw, we go from Raw to SmackDown real quick. Nothing really happened on SmackDown. We'll close it off with this, though. The United States Championship changing hands ahead of the Royal Rumble. They were going to do the finals of the tourney at the pay-per-view. They moved it forward probably because they realized, oh, shit, we have, like, fucking eight matches on the pay-per-view card. we got to bump one of them, so we'll do one tonight. So that's what they did. Not even next week. They're doing it. uh, They did it on Tuesday night with Bobby Roode and Jinder. The United States Championship has been made glorious again by Bobby Roode, who is now the new U.S. champion. The matches weren't really that good. Um, They had on the show, in my opinion, they were fine. But the real key here is that the United States Championship is now in possession of Bobby Roode, who desperately needed it, in my opinion. So what your thoughts, Nick, on the move to make Bobby Roode the new U.S. champion? Uh, I think you're right. He desperately needed it. So I think it was good to see him win. I didn't mind it was him and Jinder. I thought they put on an okay match. Uh, Just the thing I wonder now, with Roode having the championship, does Ziggler come out next week saying, I never really relinquished the title? Do you have Ziggler return that quickly? This is the things I wonder uh, wonder about. Are we setting up for a Ziggler-Rude match at WrestleMania for the United States title? But besides all that stuff for future stuff, I thought 
putting Bobby Roode as champion was the smart decision made by SmackDown. You know, honestly, in a perfect world, I would say that Ziggler does not come back at all and, like, the angle was legit and he just leaves the company. But you know that's not going to happen and he will be brought back at some point. Um, Just the only thing with that is that we just literally just saw Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler have this whole feud for, like, two or three months at the end of 2017. They had a few decent matches, but it really wasn't that good of a feud. And Ziggler in the mid-card title picture, to me, just, it's stupid. Like, I know they just gave Roode the belt, but the whole angle's dumb. With with Ziggler leaving for a little while, it's like, okay, if you were going to do this, why not just have Ziggler win the, which they did. They had him win the championship at Clash of Champions. Why not just have Roode chase the championship? What was the point of the tournament if you weren't going to, I don't know, which to me just really doesn't make much sense. But the real key here, like I said, is that I'm happy that Bobby Roode is champion. I think he needed it. He should be a heel. Uh, that much should be said, but I think that's going to happen at some point down the road. For right now, he needed something to sink his teeth into, and I think the U.S. Championship can do a lot to help him uh, kind of boost his stock on SmackDown going into WrestleMania, hopefully ending up in a singles match of some sort at the pay-per-view. If it's against Ziggler, whatever, um, but at least hopefully he has a program of some sort going into WrestleMania and he's not left to compete and the fucking, like, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal or whatever, which a lot of people tend to be relegated to every single year. Um, but that being said, yeah, that's pretty much everything that happened in the last week in WWE. Real last quick note here, Nick. Uh, your current pick to win the Royal Rumble match for the men. You said Oscar for the women. What about the men to close it off? Um, well, I think you have to do either either way. For women and men, you need one one representative from Raw, you need one representative from SmackDown. I feel that's the only right way to go. So since the women and Oscar for Raw, I'm going to go for SmackDown. I think we're going to see uh, Nakamura win it. I'm hoping so, man. I'm hoping so. I'm getting fearful by the week as the guy's never really on the show and they have shown no interest in pushing him in recent months, really at the level that he deserves to be at. Um, but he makes more sense than anyone else. And you know what? It's not Roman Reigns or John Cena or someone who's won the Rumble before, so I'm all for it. And Nakamura and AJ at WrestleMania would be absolute money. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you. Nakamura's my current pick. I'm skeptical because the company does not always do what's right. And people no. are saying, oh, you know, Nakamura, too predictable. Like, who cares? Roman Reigns is way too predictable. You know, all these other people, way too predictable. But you know what? They did it anyway. So the one year that it's predictable, let's actually, it's a good thing. So let's stick with it with Nakamura as the Rumble winner. So, fingers crossed that we're right. But, once again, Nick, great having you back here on the show. The hour literally just flew by. Uh, flew by. I thought we had like a half hour, 45 minutes left. It's been a full-on hour. Um, it's been great talking to you, man. But before I let you go, anything else you'd like to plug for the people? Obviously, on Twitter, you are at Nick. Your last name, K-R-A-P-F. People can follow you there. Craft, not crap, like I said earlier. Don't want to botch that again. People can uh, check you out on the Twitter machine. Anywhere else where people can find yeah, you, dude. That, uh... Pretty much Twitter. That's all I really have. Uh, at Nick Craft, like you said, you spelled it out for everybody. Uh, thanks once again for having me, Graham. I appreciate it so much. Of course, dude. Always great having you here on the show. Hopefully it won't be another six months before we have back here on Russell Rant Radio. It was, it was the perfect episode to have you on because there's so much going on right now uh, between the stuff on Raw, SmackDown, and all the signings and the Rumble and all this other shit going on right now, Raw 25, so hopefully we can have you on again at some point during a WrestleMania season in the next few months. But again, dude, thanks for coming here on the show. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. One last note here, guys. Before we wrap up, if you haven't already, spots should still be available in my 2018 6th Annual Royal Rumble game on NextAirWrestling.net. You can put your number in in either the male or female women's Royal Rumble. The male might be... 
filled up by this point. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't checked in a little while. Um, but go to the post on my website at nextairwrestling.net for the 2018 Royal Rumble game. Spots are open. If you win, if the person who enters at your number wins your respective Rumble, whether the male or female, you will win a t-shirt, either a WrestleRant Radio t-shirt or, for the first time ever, the t-shirt of whoever won the Rumble. So if you picked Carmella in the Women's Rumble, you will earn a Carmella t-shirt or... Just support WrestleRant Radio. Get the WrestleRant Radio shirt. It's up to you, but I wanted to give people the option. Anyway, guys, check out WrestleRant Radio. New episodes are up every single Thursday on Apple Podcasts. Just simply search up WrestleRant Radio. Rate, review, subscribe. You get every single new episode on Thursdays and every archived episode dating back to October of 2013. It is now easier than ever to listen to WrestleRant Radio. So, All that being said, folks, we're going to have a full-on preview of TakeOver Philadelphia and the Royal Rumble pay-per-view next week here on WrestleRant Radio with the returning R.J. Marceau. Both of us will be in attendance for the Royal Rumble and TakeOver Philadelphia next week. It's going to be huge. It's going to be a blockbuster weekend. You're not going to want to miss our full-on picks, previews, and predictions for every single match on both shows. Until then, guys, I'm Graham Gison Matthews. Have an awesome rest of your week, and I'll catch your ass down the road.